When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stuck at home with nothing to read and unable to browse the bookstore? Let us help. And by us, of course, I mean Book Riot. TBR, Book Riot's subscription service, is offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. So you can just tell us, TBR, that's tailored book recommendations, about your reading preferences and what you're looking for. And then just sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore located in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, um, our favorite place to talk about romance, and my favorite place to talk with Trisha, who is back. (laughs) Hello. Hi, Jess. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am fine. I am am good. I, uh, we were talking before the show a little bit about how this feels like a weird time to be anything. (laughs) Like, it feels like a weird time to be good. Or not good, or like not good, but knowing that you're not the worst kind of not good. Like mm-hmm. it's just it is a it's a complicated time. Uh, yeah, it sure is. Speaking of time, I should probably make sure you know that this is episode fifty-seven, and we are recording on Thursday, April sixteenth. I got that date without having to look at something. I'm very proud of myself. I'm proud <laughs> of you too. I've lost all track of. All time and all everything. So I'm impressed. I actually, <laughs> I am a little embarrassed that I did not realize that we were this far into April. So it's sort of ridiculous how fast April is going compared to the 10,000 years of May or March. I mean, and also I kind of feel like if you had told me that we were in like late June at this point, I would have been like, yeah, story checks out. Story <laughs> checks out. Yeah. So uh, these are strange times. And I will say too, I, um, the last episode was amazing. Jess and Jen were so fantastic. I was bummed to be sidelined, but I was sick. And uh, I'll just say this. This is not in any way a medical advice podcast at all. But if you are sick right now, I see you because this is not a good time to be sick in any way. So mm-hmm. just know that I get it. If you are sick and it is freaking you out, I hear you and I see you. And so you don't have to know the date. It's fine. <laughs> You can just sit quietly on your couch and count the empty buses going by. You can like coach. I had a bee. This is a true story, Jess. I had a bee stuck in my window well last week. It was like between the screen. So it was not on my side of the screen, but it was like there's a little gap where I needed to be able to like get out Mm -hmm. of the window. And I spent an amount of time that I am not willing to disclose right now trying to coach (laughs) that bee out of the window well. Oh, no. And then I, you know, as many coaches and mentors do, I got a little frustrated, got up, did some laundry, came back, and the bee had gotten itself out. Oh, good. Which was, I mean, yes, but also the fact that I spent all that time coaching and it didn't matter. It was a little hurtful. It was a little hurtful. It still hurt you. It still took your advice. I mean, that was just- that was when I knew. I was like, it's time to go back to work now. <laughs> like, oh. this, is, this is too much. It's time. It's time. So anyway, all of that to say, um, my heart goes out to anybody who is struggling. And I, I know yours does too, Jess, in any way at this point. Uh, but I am very happy to be back with all of you. Yes, and we're happy to have you back. Well, thank you. Shall we, we have some like fun stuff planned for today. We do. We do. We have some, some like sort of follow up stuff that shouldn't take long. And then we can talk about some 
some more fun stuff. And Jen and I decided deliberately to sort of ignore the world. Um, (laughs) What? (laughs) Why on earth? (laughs) (laughs) So we didn't talk about this last time, even though I think um, it was around the time the changes were made. But it'll be good to talk to you about something that's actually happening in the world that isn't related to everything else. Um, And then talk to you about fun. So... Well, I look forward to all of those conversations. <laughs> do you want to do a, an ad spot before it? Do you want to just build the suspense a little higher? Yes, let's do all that. Because right. <laughs> once it's out of the way, then we talk about other things. Exactly. <laughs> this is like the most, like, people are, the suspense is going to be so high and we're just going to be like, here are the normal things we're talking about. <laughs> Super normal. Um, exactly. Okay. Thank you to Book Riot and Book Riot Insiders the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Enrich your reading life while you're stuck at home with our new Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels for insiders, short story, novel, and a brand new epic level, and you can try any level out for free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read hosted online, available to all epic members, and there's no cap on epic, so the more, the merrier. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. For all subscribers, we're working on with a new featured vendor each quarter to create a deal just for insiders. Novel Level includes the new release index and a weekly email with that week's curated releases so you can stay up to date with zero effort. And for our podcast listeners, the Epic Level will also include perks for all the books, the Book Riot episode, and Get Booked. So get all the full details and join today at insiders.bookriot.com. That's insiders.bookriot.com. All right. Now we can get to all of those sort of secret and cagey potential stories we were talking to you about. <laughs> Completely cagey. <laughs> so cagey. <laughs> Uh, the first is that, (laughs) this is so funny, right? Because in a, it's funny in a dark way. (laughs) In a normal year, this would have been like sort of the unexpected romance story of the first half of 2020. Mm -hmm. But we're not in a normal year. So this is only sort of a, oh gosh, do you remember back in December when we were like, oh, this is the biggest thing that's going to happen? No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, enough caginess. So I I think we may have talked about my brain is is still not quite at 100%. But I think we may have talked about the fact that RWA, the Romance Writers of America, which, as many of you know, is sort of the um, affiliate group for romance writers. Well, it's been a real mess. (laughs) See see the first, I don't know, 10 episodes of this year, you'll Mm -hmm. you'll get it. It's fine. But there was um, a special election held i believe in late march yes and the votes came in and there is a whole new board of directors and i it's it seems dare i say jess it seems a little promising it 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 does seem a little promising and you know i hadn't actually looked at the number of votes that went through which is interesting just because thinking about last year there were probably 9000 members of rwa And uh, the number of presidential votes was at 1385. So I don't know if it's usual that, you know, since only a certain group can vote, that it's such a low number, or if that many people left and waited to see what would happen before coming back. But that's just sort of an aside. (laughs) No, I mean, it's actually really interesting, because when did you say you saw 9,000 members a year ago, or... Yeah, about like there were around 10,000 members when I joined in September. Um, but that was across the board. So, um, just as a reminder, there are three groups in RWA. Actually, two of them are voting groups. It's the, the pan group who are published authors and the pro group who are determined to be published, but have not published yet. And then there's like the affiliates, librarians, booksellers, agents, all of that who do not have voting power for any election. But I don't know how many people actually left RWA after the events of December and January, um, and how many people just didn't get the chance to vote. So 
I'm sort of making some of this up as I go along just because I didn't even notice how many votes there were and was thinking about how many people were in the organization before this started. But let's just go back to talking about the actual special election. No, actually, like I said, I think that's actually really interesting because knowing that a year ago there were so many members and many of those members were likely not eligible to vote. I actually think that to me, and, you know, again, not, there's a lot of missing information here, but Mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, nearly 1400 people voted and explicitly voted. So Alyssa Day, who is the new president of RWA, Mm -hmm. got 100% of the votes that were cast were cast for her. She, and she may have run on a post. I don't know. I believe she did. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that is telling in and of itself, but I think it, when you when you sort of scroll down, and we'll we'll link to the election results in the show notes, but a lot of these people that were elected as directors at large, or um, you know, the secretary was elected, uh, uh, Chi Chi Love was elected with about sixty four percent of the vote. The treasurer, I think, maybe also ran unopposed. E. J. Russell, who got um, roughly well, got thirteen ninety two, so three votes short, whatever, hundred mm-hmm. percent. But a lot of these folks, and some of whom, you know, we talked about were elected with more than 60% of the vote. And I think that is really telling. And I think, you know, there it says something that this many people were still eligible to vote and that these people, you know, whether they were running for specific positions or running for director at large positions, felt so strongly about it that they were willing to do it. And that also that there were honestly about 1,400 people who were voting members who were still members and able to vote because i think for a long time it seemed like there wouldn't be anybody left Mm -hmm. to be honest with you you know so i think it's i don't know i think that's telling and i think it's a it's a sign of some kind of hope i also think the other important piece of this is that on april 2nd shortly after the board was elected there the one of the first orders of business if not the first order of business was that the board issued an apology to the members um uh, for everything that has gone on they did not say you know like well we weren't part of it but now we're gonna they just shoot an apology exactly unqualified apology and i thought that was a really telling sign also that that was the first thing they did yeah and they they issued um a direct apology to courtney milan as well which she spoke about on twitter a bit about you know how she appreciated the gesture but she sort of had mixed feelings about the whole thing which obviously (laughs) wouldn't you if something that was so much of your life for more than a month could come down to to this event being like the first thing that they wanted to do and uh, you know it was it was very nicely written (laughs) i will say that yeah there's a good board here and there are some people whose, you know, whose work I've never read, but who, a lot of whom I follow on various social media. Um, I, a few people actually got people to come back to RWA by saying, I'm running for the board. If you have any faith in this organization left, rejoin so you can vote in the elections and that kind of thing. So it was really nice to see that there are people who really want to make a difference. Not that the group who was in charge before all of this went down didn't want to make a difference, but there were so many other things that happened that didn't allow them to. Um, so I'm glad that so many changes have happened in in the background while we've been thinking about other things that this might actually work for the organization. And we'll be watching, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think there were some really strong advocates for, you know, the kind of romance that we like to see that is inclusive of all different kinds of people and identities and experiences. But I think there was also a, we talked about this before, a pretty strong contingent of people who were not supportive of that. And in fact, were trying to tear it down. Mm -hmm. And I think even though there were some really good individuals previously who who were pushing for that kind of support of diverse storytelling before, I don't know that they ever had the majority. And it seems like, and you know, who knows, like you said, we'll we'll have to watch very closely and see what happens. But it seems like 
for the first time, maybe there is a majority of people who are interested in seeing that kind of storytelling and support going on, which is, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) who knows? Maybe this is the good news story of 2020. We'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. In the meantime, that's your your mini potential good news maybe story of right now. Of right now. Yeah. Of right now. All right. Well, before we get into our next <laughs> a weirdly ambiguous uh piece of <laughs> of the agenda, uh let's do our other ad spot and then we um we'll be able to just cruise right through. Excellent. So our next sponsor uh, is Conventionally Yours by Annabeth Albert uh, from Sourcebooks, which I'm so excited about. So Conventionally Yours is a groundbreaking LGBTQIA plus rom-com with a quirky fandom theme. Charming, charismatic, and effortlessly popular, Conrad Stewart seems to have it all. But in reality, he's scrambling to keep his life from tumbling out of control. Brilliant, guarded, and endlessly driven. Alden Roth may as well be the poster boy for perfection, but even he can't help but feel a little broken inside. When these mortal enemies are stuck together on a cross-country road trip to the biggest gaming convention ever, an unexpected connection is forged. Will they duel to the death, or will they let their infamous rivalry take a back seat to the most important game of all? And as you may have expected, that game is love. It has a strong crossover YA appeal due to its young characters and low heat level. It's a red, white, and royal blue meets fangirl in a charming romance that incorporates fan-favorite tropes such as enemies to lovers, opposites attract, and my own personal favorite, found family. Best-selling authors like Serena Bowen and Carrie Ann Ryan love Conventionally Yours, calling it funny and wise and sweet, emotional, and uniquely quirkly. Although a witty and fun rom-com, the story also deals with some deeper social issues such as identity, neurodiversity, and self-acceptance. Annabeth Albert is an award-winning author and is very well known in the LGBTQIA plus romance space. I have not read this one yet, Jess. Have you read it? I haven't. I, I keep putting, uh, like, there have been multiple copies in my hand. Like, I... I got a friend to bring me back one from ALA Midwinter, and then I got one in the mail from Sourcebooks, um, and I was like, can I read this yet? And then there was this whole fear that it was the release date was going to be pushed back 12 months, and I would read it too early to talk about it to anybody. <laughs> so I've it's sort of been one of those that I'm just like holding close to the, to the chest so that I can read it when I really need it, because I have the feeling I'm going to really love this book. Um, Because it has all of those things that you know I love. Exactly. That's why I asked. And I know that you're like (laughs) pro-convention romance right now. So I was like, I wonder. I wonder if Jess has done this. Yeah, I I really thought about just picking it up. And then I was like, but it's not coming out for months. If it even comes out when it's supposed to. (laughs) But it's coming out now. So be excited, everybody. Yes. Yes. So I will probably read it pretty soon. Well, again, huge thanks to Conventionally Yours by Annabeth Albert from Sourcebooks. We are both very excited about it. Yes, we are. Speaking of things that we're excited about. Oh, man. (laughs) Top-notch transition. (laughs) Top-notch. Excellent. So we are continuing our theme slash commitment, I think, right? (laughs) Yes. To helping people figure out what romance adaptations they should be watching right now or always. Who's to Mm -hmm. say? So the one that we watched for this episode is a little uh, adaptation called Deadly Sexy mm-hmm. by the one and only and miraculously talented storyteller Beverly Jenkins. Yes, and it is available right now to rent or buy on Amazon Prime, even though it's it, you call it Prime Video, but not everything is Prime. I'm so confused by their language. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, but it um, the book, if you're unfamiliar with it, is one of um, Beverly Jenkins's rarely seen, actually, um, contemporary romantic suspense novel that she was writing, um, I want to say, in the early 2000s. And is that right? 
But yeah, let me look. I I opened the deadly sexy one partly because in my mind this is the only one. So this one was first published in Janu- uh, January of two thousand seven. So it's about thirteen years old. Yeah, and I I know it's not the only one because I am looking at sexy dangerous on my to be on my TBR romance shelf. Um, yeah, which is, is that one connected to this? Is it the brother? It does. Okay, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to this because I don't actually remember. <laughs> okay, so we'll figure that out. But you know, she wrote a couple and then went back to writing um, historical fiction and the Blessing series, which I think was probably enough. I mean, she's doing yeah. one of that's each allowed. of those every year. That's that's yeah. enough. <laughs> it's fine. But also, but also, <laughs> this was a. It, it was a story. It, it certainly sucked me in. So the story itself is, so again, I, and I think you at least have read part of the book. I mm-hmm. have only seen the film. It was crowdsourced. It was done through a GoFundMe. Uh, and the the film is, is relatively low budget. And you'll be mm-hmm. able to kind of tell, to be honest. Yeah. Like it's, it's good and it will suck you in, but you will be able to kind of like catch on to some of the lower budget pieces of it. Mm-hmm. But it's a... So it's it's great. So um it it takes place mostly in California. Um JT Blake is a sports agent who is a huge deal. She's got like all of these big deal sports superstars. I don't know that much about sports, <laughs> so I can't tell you like a lot of things. But uh so she's she ends up with some road trouble. You know, she's got we've all been there. Car mm-hmm. gives out on the side of I-5, you know, this incredibly sexy truck driver comes up. I was all in on this book when I thought this guy even, or I guess I should say this movie, was a truck driver. Mm-hmm. Turns out her knight in shining truck <laughs> thinks, I, like I said, my brain is not all the way back yet. I don't know. I used to know what big trucks were. Semi? Semi. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, So it turns out he is actually not a truck driver. He is also a partner in his family's, like, multi-million dollar moving or trucking company. Mm -hmm. But he's also a lawyer that works for the uh, would-be NFL commissioner. I think they can't actually use NFL, so instead they call it the XFL or they, they call it something else. Anyway... So there's like a murder happening that he's investigating, but then he also meets JT stranded on the highway and like he rescues her and she doesn't know that he's working for the commissioner. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole thing. And so I thought one of the things that I really liked about this movie is that I thought there was a really good balance between the romance storyline of like the two of them. Because at first she's kind of mad because she finds out like, oh, he's not a truck driver. He's actually working for the commissioner who I'm working against because I'm a sports agent. <laughs> but then he has to like do all of the groveling and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But like there's that, but then there's also a murder that he's investigating and then she gets kind of pulled into that mm-hmm. because the bad guy is just very bad and it's yeah. a lot. Ah, I don't know. Anyway, the story 100% pulled me in. That's I think probably enough of a summary. Uh, tell me what you thought of this, Jess. Yeah. And I will I will echo your caution about, you know, going in for the story, not the production value. This movie did not have Marvel money. You can <laughs> it's this yeah, this movie didn't have Emma remake money. Like yeah. this is like Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, yeah, so they, I, there's a lot of positives, but do do know that going in. Yeah. I mean the actors are great. They they are very attractive people. The main actors were wonderful. It's so good. Um, and the story is so compelling. And I'll tell you, I started the book after I watched it. And it's amazing how much Iris Bowling, who adapted the screenplay and is a, is a, a romance author herself, pulled from the book. Like there are scenes that are just straight out of the novel, um, including one of my favorite lines, which is delivered by Reese, the main character's father. But it's a really well adapted adaptation because when you're a romance author adapting another romance author's book, you sort of know what to do with it. I will say it was surprisingly long, but it wasn't one of those where it was like, God, this movie has been four hours long and it's only been 20 minutes. It was 
it was the pace of a novel. And she tried to do that without making it five hours long. But it is a two and a half hour movie. So be prepared to go in knowing that everything's going to be tied up. All of the little bits and pieces are going to be figured out. And you're going to know everything that happens by the end of the movie, which is nice. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll say, Jess, I think that's such a smart comparison unsurprisingly because you're so smart uh to the pacing of a novel because i watched this in chunks and i Mm -hmm. watched the first i want to say like 30 minutes and then i watched the next like 45 so that put me like not even halfway through the movie i don't think and Mm -hmm. then i watched the whole rest of it in one yeah so and and that was fine like i didn't i mean i did it over the course of a a, not two or three days like it wasn't but it was similar to reading a novel. Like, I, w- I didn't lose anything and it was fine. Mm-hmm. And it was actually just for me and, like, my attention span and, like, my life a little bit more of a comfortable pace. But I think that comparison to it's not exactly like watching, I don't know, like, whatever other rom-com you might watch that's 90 minutes or whatever. It was more of that, like, kind of a little bit at a time. But then, no, once you get to about the halfway point, you're in because it sucked me in i'm with you like this is actually (laughs) i so i do some film reviews and normally if i saw that a movie was like two and a half hours long i'd be like nope i'm (laughs) out i can't be doing that but with this one it didn't ever feel like the like it was at first i was like how is this movie gonna last two and a half hours what are they gonna do but i never especially once i got past that like first third or first half I didn't feel like it was too slow. Like it, the the plot did carry along mm-hmm. pretty quickly. I will say I felt a little bit like the end almost for as, for as long as it was. The end almost felt kind of rushed to me. <laughs> like it was almost like, have you ever done like a presentation where you know you have 15 minutes and you look up at the clock and you realize you're 12 minutes in, but only halfway through the presentation. So you mm-hmm. got to fit everything else in the last... I will say it felt a little bit like that to me. And there was a content warnings just in general with romantic suspense. There's oftentimes there's violence. And that is the case here, too. And in the end, there is a violent thing that happens to someone who is very clearly a bad guy. Mm -hmm. But it happens and then it's just over. It's just over. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, uh... No, we're not. Okay. We're not going to deal with, like, the implications of that. Or, okay, all right, that's fine. Like, that's... I get it. I'm not going to tell anybody what to do, but that felt that felt a little, a little speedy. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'll tell you, I've been having a lot of trouble finishing books um in the past several weeks. I start a book, I get a third of the way through, I talk about it in kissing books or one in romance and then I don't finish it. Um but I need to finish this one just because I need to know how that all turns out when there are more pages because i it was very sudden yeah and there is i will even say even in addition to knowing that this is a violent book there is some gun violence that is involves protagonists in this book that is not i don't like I, it's weird to say like i don't want to say it's not frowned upon because like it's not <laughs> yeah. but also i don't know like it's just a there are protagonists in this book that use guns to protect themselves and so if any kind of gun violence is like a hard stop for you then you should know that yes but it in general i think had in some ways kind of a realistic aspect of uh you know like gun violence or whatever aside there were people being like pretty realistic about what they needed to do to protect themselves and their families and you know, trying to figure out how to deal with all of that. So also, side note, there were some really lovely Brenda Jackson references <laughs> in this book, in this movie. Uh, there was like more than one occasion where more than one character would be like sitting, reading a Brenda Jackson novel and someone uh-huh. would like knock on the door. They'd be like, ugh, I had to put them in one case. One woman just like ignored it for a minute and it wasn't until like the third time that somebody like knocked on the door like, fine, what do you need? What is this about? That was great. Yeah, which I thought was like pretty delightful. And you know, there were actually a lot of romance novelists involved in 
in the production of the film. Like, if you look at the credits, like, I can't remember who it was, maybe Sierra London was a set dresser. And there were, like, a whole list of volunteers who were familiar names if you read Black Romance um, or Romance by Black Authors. Um, and it was great to see just because it's like there was so man, so much romance involved in the production of this romance adaptation that it was like no other romance adaptation that exists. Well, and I think too, one of the things that I have noticed when I've done film reviews is that it matters who is behind the camera mm-hmm. because, you know, whether it's romance authors or just real actual human women and women mm-hmm. of color like the heroine of this movie is an actual normal sized human person she's uh-huh. gorgeous and also she does not look like you can't imagine meeting anyone like her in real life like mm-hmm. she's just an actual human beautiful person which i thought was really lovely i i mean the commissioner of the would-be NFL in this film is a black man, which is, like, if only the mm-hmm. commissioner of any of the professional sports leagues in this country was a man of color or a person of color, a woman of color, whoever. Like, there there are just things that, I don't know, I, I don't know, to me, it's a kind of representation that really matters that we don't get to see a lot of times in the real world or in films or whatever that that actually make a difference. And that's why it matters who is doing the set design or the costume design or the directing or the writing or whatever. And so I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I also thought the supporting cast was great. There is a younger brother character who is delightful (laughs) and who I, uh, unfortunately I don't think sexy dangerous is about that character, No, but he's lovely and wonderful. And I will wait for the deadly sexy you know, sequel that involves <laughs> the computer hacking or rather, that's fine, whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> but as always, I think, and, and this is a thing that is, I'm sure was true to the book, just because Beverly Jenkins is so great at that. There's just such a sort of communal and family aspect of this film that um, mm-hmm. brings true, you know, to the books that she does too. It's just people are members of community as much as they are members of like the couple that is the central characters in the story. Yeah, the family relationships in this book, whether it's JT and her mom. By the way, Jessie Teresa, um, I can I can share this because I made it th- that far in the book. Um, doesn't she mentions in the movie that she's named after an aunt um, from a hundred years ago or whatever? In the book, she mentions that she's named after. An aunt from the 1800s who was a rancher and a crack shot, um, who is the main character of The Taming of Jesse Rose. Oh, how interesting. Which was just delightful. I was like, she making those connections again? Um, mm-hmm. Because if you read the Blessing series, you know that Henry Adams is the town that exists in some of her historicals and all of that. Um, but just the way that she can write any contemporary and make sure that she always rings a bell for her historicals is just always so great to see. And I can't remember which was written first. Um, but either way, that's a really great connection. And I'm going to go back and revisit that book. That is delightful. And credit where it's due. Stephanie Timothy is the uh, main female character in this film. Uh, Jesse Blake, who goes generally, it, yeah, it's, it's Jesse. Teresa. Teresa. So she goes by JT. Uh, or Ms. Blake often is a uh, Lady Blake. Lady Blake. Lady Blake. Is. Um, and then Travis Kira plays Reese Anthony, who is the other main character. And they, the two of them were fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's some people who are less strong in the cast, but those two are fantastic. And many <laughs> of the, the supporting cast are also really great. Yeah. So, yeah, I will be honest with you. I, uh, like I said, when I saw it was two and a half hours, and honestly, I think it's a little over two and a half hours. When I saw it, it was like... <laughs> Oh, this is very long, but it will it will suck you in. So so just pace yourself. Give yourself a little time. And definitely anything, honestly, that is based on anything that Beverly Jenkins does is is worth watching, I think. I think so too. And shout out to to as Jess mentioned, Iris Bowling, who did the um directing and the screenplay for for this one. So I have a quick I'm gonna give you like 
because this is a romantic suspense film, I have had a very hard time reading romantic suspense lately, but I will give you three sort of romantic suspense books that (laughs) are only romantic suspense in that there's kind of a mystery in the background and otherwise it is fine. (laughs) So uh, A Cowboy to Remember by Rebecca Weatherspoon. There is, it's not even really a mystery. It's more of just like a crime has happened. And that actually, I, this one felt a little bit reminiscent of that to me in that I guess it's kind of a spoiler, so skip ahead if you want. But in Deadly Sexy, at one point, the heroine goes to the hero's family home to recover, which most of A Cowboy to Remember is that case. So keep that in mind. Reverb by Anna Zabo is another one where there's kind of a background mystery and crime that someone is trying to solve, although I don't think it ever entirely eclipses the romance as a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um So that one's a little bit more dramatic than the other two, but it's a great story. And so you might want to do that. And then recently, because all I've been able to read recently are either books with pictures or books by Talia Hibbert or Tessa Dare, because they are (laughs) very gentle and funny. Uh, I recently read for the first time, I've been rereading most of of their books, but for the first time I read, Do You Want to Start a Scandal by Tessa Dare? Uh. And that book involves a... um, the two main characters are are trying, one of them more than the other, are trying to solve a mystery that happened at a house to get themselves out of a sticky situation. And it is delightful and lovely. And there is kind of a mystery. And you'll probably be able to figure out exactly what is happening. But you know what? That's fine. <laughs> Sometimes you just need that. So uh, those are my romantic suspense adjacent recommendations <laughs> that I will offer to you because... These are difficult times, and I tried to start a romantic suspense that has been recommended to me recently, and I'm not even going to name it because I don't want, because I do think I will come back to it and it'll be great. But it starts out with, like, someone who is dying and trying to figure out how to, like, leave clues to the, I was like, nope. Oh, wow. I can't. I'm out. (laughs) I'm like, I'm trying to coach a bee out of a window well right now. Like, I cannot be reading this book. So... (laughs) So those are my uh, romantics adjacent suspense. Uh, I know those words are in the wrong order. I'm just, everyone's just doing their best right now. Yes, that's that's all anyone can do, Trisha. All right. But the books we're actually going to recommend are books by the great and good Beverly Jenkins. So Jess, what do you got? What do you like by, which, do you have any books by Beverly Jenkins that you like to recommend to people? No, (laughs) none. I can't even imagine. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I often tell people to start, if you haven't read Beverly Jenkins at all, with the Destiny series, which is interesting because I know a lot of people start in a different spot. Um, But um, Destiny's Embrace was my first Beverly Jenkins novel. I actually came to her relatively late, like maybe five years ago, five or six years ago, Um, which means I'm still working through her backlist. Like I'm looking at my my um romance to be read shelf and there are probably five of her books on it in print and so that's not even what i've got digitally um but destiny's embrace is takes place in um reconstruction era california and it's a really good eye into her writing um because it's sort of like middle of in the middle of her writing she you know she first published her first book in 1994 she's still publishing so that's kind of like right smack dab in the middle so you sort of see that arc that's that's going um so you can find yourself in her incredibly well researched uh 19th century world um so that's three books um the first book involves like a a housekeeper for hire and they hate each other and it's a romance so you know what happens the second book (laughs) (laughs) um it's there so they're three brothers and the second book is the middle brother who uh has a child with a prostitute and their relationship and the third book involves a cuban pirate <laughs> so a Cuban lady pirate. A Cuban lady pirate. So there's just so much great thing st- great stuff that's happening. And also there's like a secondary romance featuring their mother. Um so 
it's just it's a great collection of stories put together um and that's always where i i tell people to start with even though there are some other amazing families in her brain that i also love to read about yeah and i actually started with the the third of those books um destiny's captive with the human lady pirate <laughs> and it almost it mostly didn't matter except you do get the sort of pinnacle of the romance with the mom in there and so you that's the only place where you know you're you're missing a little something so you could still do it you could still start with number three but it, like just said the whole series is great so why why not just start at the beginning yeah yeah um so this is not my first Beverly Jenkins, but it's the one that I probably am most likely to recommend to people and maybe sort of in some ways kind of the classic Indigo by Beverly mm. Jenkins is um uh, from the late 90s, 90s I want to say. Think. Yeah. Um and it is a book that this is I le- I genuinely believe this as a person who knows some things about education and whatever. I honestly think they should teach this book in schools. Like it is about a woman who is formerly in, or formerly enslaved um, and escaped slavery as a child, and now is working in the Michigan Underground Railroad. Um, she ends up in the early part of the book hiding a, a member who is a member called the Black Daniel, who is a, an important part of the Northern Underground Railroad network. Um, she doesn't know at first that that's who it is. And I, she eventually figures out and then he leaves for a few months and comes back and he has a different identity from the black Daniel. It's, it's sort of this, it's not even that complicated. It's just well-researched. And I mean, that's the thing you, you said that just that something about Beverly Jenkins being well-researched and everything that she does is so well-researched. I learned more about the, and this is genuinely true, and I have a degree in history. (laughs) I learned more about the Underground Railroad reading this book and other things by uh, Beverly Jenkins than I have learned, than I learned in college. And I I mean, I think that, I think that says something partly because of who 15 or 20 years ago I was learning about in college, right? Like, I think that matters. But there's just such well-researched, important information but also it's just beautiful storytelling like she just is such a great storyteller that um like i said i would love for this for indigo to be a a book that is taught in schools but until it is uh you should read it on your own and it's wonderful so that is indigo by beverly jenkins Mm -hmm. and i will throw out a bonus recommendation um for those of you who might also relate commerce beverly jenkins but you maybe read rebel her most recent novel, um, Through the Storm, um, which I listened to over the course of several weeks because I could only listen to it in like, you know, half an hour snatches, is the first book I think that she wrote about the Levesque brothers, um, who are just a delightful group of wealthy know-it-alls who live in New Orleans during and after the <laughs> Civil War. Um, and it's a great follow up to Indigo because you're still sort of in the, in Beverly Jenkins's post Civil War period, right? Um, and Through the Storm in particular is a great look at things happening during the war, what life was like for formerly enslaved people right after, like immediately after the war. Um, and an introdu- as an introduction to the Levesque family, who are just probably my favorite Jenkins family. And you also are introduced to Ryan Fontaine in Through the Storm, um, who is the protagonist in the first book in the Old West series. So she is so great at connecting her books. I don't like one day someone's going to draw a map and you will see some connection in every single book that she's written. Yeah, there's a lot of Easter eggs in there. And actually, Ryan Fontaine is the um, protagonist in the maybe the first Beverly Jenkins book I read, which because I came late to all of romance, but also to Beverly Jenkins, which is Forbidden, uh, which is absolutely 
a wonderful book also. Ryan Fontaine is um, passing for white and sort of this business leader and very big deal person in his town in Nevada and uh, ends up, you know, rescuing this young woman who is a cook who he then sort of bring and she doesn't know that he's not white. And it's he eventually realizes that he has to make a decision between kind of exposing himself as not white or as, as a black man to this community versus if, if he wants to be with her because she is a black woman. And it, it's just, again, it's just so well done and the story is beautiful and the coupling is beautiful. And it's also just a really compelling social narrative of what the culture was like at that time. And, you know, and she doesn't shy away from any of the really difficult and awful things that are true of who we have been and who we sometimes still are. Yeah, and it, this is also a vague spoiler, but, you know, the the fact that she's willing to, she was willing to start the next book saying, you know, things weren't just going to go on as usual, and things happened that made lives have to be disrupted to actually be able to prosper in any way in the future. Yeah. She doesn't uh, cut any corners <laughs> when it comes to actually talking about, you know, Reconstruction was a very prosperous period for, for Black people, but also a very hard one. And it's a time that I hardly learned about in school, even, you know, living in a place where teachers made it a very strong effort to make sure that the majority Black students knew about their history in this country. So it's it's amazing what you can learn from Beverly Jenkins about life in this country that a lot of people didn't learn about in primary or secondary education. Yeah, I there's no way that I can fully understand that perspective. I think it's also there's whether it's Piper Hughley or Alyssa Cole or any number of other um, romance writers who are people of color who are writing about American history in the U.S., just fully understanding exactly what that experience was like is so valuable. And I think also so many of those writers have written about how important it is for people to remember that even as difficult as things were for everyone or as horrifying as things were for many, many people, there was still love, like people mm -hmm. still felt, and it doesn't erase any of the other horrifying things that we did to so many people. But it's, it would bite, it would be naive in some ways to think like, yes, you could be dealing with reconstruction in Nevada, and it could be terrible. But also, you couldn't also fall in love, right? Like, I mean, right, yeah, there should be love stories, there are love stories, even I don't know, for all different kinds of people in all different kinds of times. And I think I will, I mean, I will fully say that was a thing that was a helpful reminder to me in all of the historical romance that I read in this country that is written by um, women of color and features people of color. And um, so, I don't know, again, just one more reason to stick uh, Beverly Jenkins in the high school canon of all yes. of the high schools across the country. Absolutely. Love stories with learning. Exactly. Love stories of learning. Oh, love stories of learning for everyone. I think yeah. that's great. Yes, I like it. And you mentioned Rebel, which is another wonderful, wonderful book uh, that we have talked about before. But um, I think that's Beverly Jenkins' most recent release. It came out last year. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the beginning of another series, too. So the ones that we have mentioned that are either standalones or the beginnings of series are Forbidden, Rebel, um, Indigo is a standalone, and then the first of the Destiny books, Jess, is... Destiny's Embrace. Destiny's Embrace. So, and like we said, you know, you can start anywhere, but... Oh, and also Deadly Sexy, to yes. bring it back around to our adaptation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically, long story short, read whatever Beverly Jenkins book you want, and you'll be Right? Fine. There are uh, a lot of them. Yeah, and you will be delighted, so... All right. I don't know. Have we, have we gone through all of our sort of uh, secret covert topics that we kind of teased at the beginning of the show? I am pretty sure that we have. 
Well, there it is. Our our caginess has come uncaged. That's probably a thing. It's probably not. Everyone's doing their best. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh well i'm thrilled to be back thank you all for having me i'm so glad that you're black and you're better (laughs) well thank you and i hope that all of you are healthy and well um let us know it do watch deadly sexy it's um as just mentioned it's for rent on amazon it's i think it was maybe like three dollars to rent it for two days it was not a ridiculous amount of money i know money is tight for a lot of people right now but and always but um you know yeah, if you want to spend $3 to just stare at a beautiful man who maybe only has two shirts because they're the only ones that fit Dude, him. Dude, there's a lot of shirtless time in this <laughs> film. A lot of it. A lot of it. Uh, but also yeah. to, you know, see a good story. Yes, I mean, both more than one thing can be true, Jess. <laughs> As we always say. But yeah, so if you've got a few dollars, it's worth it's definitely worth your time. And like I said, you can you can break it over uh, up over some days. But yeah, let us know what you thought of Deadly Sexy. Let us know what your favorite romantic suspense books are, and also you know what all of the many Beverly Jenkins books that you love are. Absolutely, we want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. As always, you can email us at the When in Romance email address When in Romance at bookriot.com. You can also reach us on social media. Yep, you can find me at Jess is Reading, all one word, on Twitter, or Jess underscore is underscore reading on Instagram. And I am at Trisha Haley Brown on both. I have done a terrible job of checking any social media because I have been sleeping like 16 hours a day up until <laughs> about a week ago. So my apologies if you sent me a note and I didn't get back to you, but I'm getting better. Uh, so we are excited to hear from you. If you have a minute, rate and review the podcast because it helps other people find it. And I don't know, Jess, I think we're just excited to talk to people again next time. We are. And in the meantime, if you can make it through some pages, happy reading. Happy reading, everybody. Stay healthy. Bye.